like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Oh, thank you for having me again. Uh, glad to be here. And um, to celebrate this year's WrestleMania, we'll talk about probably one of the most controversial moments of WrestleMania history, in which uh, Yokozuna challenges Bret Hart for the WF Championship at WrestleMania 9. Uh, so, Adam, in 1993, what's your relationship with the wrestling history in 1993? Were you watching, or it'd be, it'd be more watching it, like as time being bad, just looking back on it? Uh, I was watching at the time, yeah. Um, I think the way it worked at the time here was like they didn't show them live at the time here, so they would show it like at a sort of more reasonable hour a couple of days later. Yeah. Um, so we ended up round at a friend's watching it. Uh, I will say, like for the show as a whole, I mean, let's be honest, it's not one of the best WrestleManias. It's <laughs> quite far from it. I don't think it's the worst one, but it's not a good one. Um, the main event, uh, like I was a big Bret Hart fan, yeah. so obviously I wanted him to win. Uh, and I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume anyone who's listening knows the results and whatnot, so I'm not like spoiling anything or that. Uh, so we all know Yokozuna won. And then Hulk Hogan came out and cashed in his I'm Hulk Hogan, I do whatever I want title shot and won the title. Uh, which I was a bit funny about because I'd already started to kind of sour on Hogan by that point. Oh. Uh, I was, how old was I at the time? I think I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. And like Hogan was never my favourite anyway. I didn't dislike him, but I did start kind of souring on him uh, the one, the thing that started that was actually the 92 Rumble where he pulled out Sid at the end Yeah. and everyone, like you know obviously Gorilla Monsoon on commentary is trying to play that like, oh he's getting his own back kind of thing and it's like, no he's out of the match <laughs> so, yeah, yeah he's very literally cheating like Sid, whether you're a fan of him or not, got screwed yeah. so, um Whereas my favourites were always guys, you know, like Bret Hart, Macho Man, you know, even the likes of Mr. Perfect and that, even though they were bad guys, I was always entertained while watching them. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird main event. Uh, although, fun fact, it was the first WrestleMania main event to have the w winner of the Royal Rumble gets the title shot stipulation. Yes, that's... Um, that's well, with the Royal Rumble 400, it's just more of a brand and rise, but 1993 is when the Royal Rumble was the winner of that, except for like 99, no, not 99, uh, except for the 92, obviously, 
And yeah, the title was vacant at the time, so yeah, they just and the title. <laughs> the one that Triple H won two, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, so that was for the championship. But up until then, it was all right, the winner will face a champion, all that stuff. Um, yeah, with, with me and Hulk Hogan before, this is long before I knew all the bullshit he's pulled. Mm. Um, my, uh, pretty much my first Hogan match was when he faced Sid at WrestleMania 8. Right, and, okay. Uh, I don't even see that match, but that match is weird because I had heard the whole Hogan up until this point. I was like, going, mm. I thought oh, this big guy, he's like, was the champion? And Sid is like, it looks like he's murdering Hulk Hogan. And yeah. I think, and I think to myself, yo, I don't get, I don't get what I've been told and what's actually happening. Yeah. So I was, I was like, so I, I was never really a big fan of him. Mm. Um, up until I watched bits of him WCW and I did enjoy the stuff he did with the walk when he came back and all that stuff but yeah. it wasn't until that later on I was like yeah this guy's an asshole um, yeah I mean obviously the backstage stuff and that I didn't know about any of that until like years later on uh, but yeah like the first like the first thing I saw in wrestling uh, was also funnily enough a Wrestlemania it was WrestleMania seven. Oh, I, wa- I walked. Yeah, I, I walked into my cousin's room uh, as they were watching it, uh, and it was right at the intros for Undertaker and uh, Jimmy Snooker. Yeah. So I watched like the rest of the show with them, and I ended up seeing Hogan through that, where he's taking on you know like the Iraqi sympathizer, yeah. uh, Sergeant Slaughter, which is funny because like. People remember Slaughter as this great American hero, and that being like a sort of blip in his career. That being the sort of oh, that's like his low point, or you know, oh, it seemed like a good idea at the time, or whatever. Whereas that was my first introduction to him. So I is always synonymous with that to me, just because that was how I first saw him. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, but from that, my favourites ended up being like you know, like say. As I said, Bret Hart, Macho Man, uh, Roddy Piper, obviously being a Scot. Everybody comes. Oh well, uh, apparently uh, his parents are Scottish, oh, and that's where it comes from. Actually, I, I knew uh, probably were has some Scottish relatively, but it's a bit weird when I was young because like, oh, he's from Glasgow and all that stuff, and then um, he comes over like, hey, that's he born in Canada. I was like, no. But, yeah, because <laughs> the thing I always heard was uh, when I was a kid. Was that he was born in Glasgow and like moved over to Canada when he was a kid? Oh, okay. Whereas, uh, that was that was the story that was going around at the time. Yeah. Uh, whereas obviously born in Canada, but the thing I've heard that is that apparently his parents are from Glasgow. So. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So let's um, go to the begin uh, the story behind this match. Um, WWE was going through a bit of a weird time in 1993. Uh, they were just about. It was just at the beginning about the whole steroid scandal and all that stuff. So a lot of their big names had left, such as uh, the British Bulldog, etc. I think out of the the time the in the gap between WrestleMania eight and nine, had a lot a loss of their guys. Yeah. Um, Randy Savage, even though he's roughly the same age as Hogan, uh, went determined he is not a big draw anymore. So <laughs> that's why he's on <laughs> commentary, which still blows my mind. I just thought he was injured at the time, but then I found out why. Yeah. Um, so you got this stuff. Um, with Bret Hart, he becomes champion, being Ric Flair on uh, on a televised show in Canada, I think. 
uh, but that became available on home video. Um, mm. What was your opinion of Bret Hart's champion? Because I think he, my opinion of Bret Hart is that obviously, same as yours, great technical wrestler, really good talker, but it's probably not what used, people are used to because they've had years of Hogan and these big, really big guys being champion and someone who's different with that, it might have thrown them off a bit. Yeah, I think it was sort of like, I mean, as you said, he was a, it was a big change. Like, even Hogan, when he came back for WrestleMania 9, was noticeably smaller. Yeah. Uh, and I remember them playing off on commentary, like, oh, he's like, tried to slim down so he's adding a bit of speed to his repertoire. Uh, that was how they pl- tried to play it on commentary, anyway, even though move-wise he was just the same old Hogan. Yeah. And, but, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to be critical of it because I'm a big, big Bret Hart fan. He was, yeah. like, one of my first favourites. Uh, I mean, looking back on it, it was kind of a, like a weird run. Um, I liked the fact that his thing was just, like, Hey, I'm a wrestler. I'm a fighting champion, and yeah. you know, because he was quite regularly defending the title on like superstars and yeah. like Raw and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool uh, because obviously this was just like right after Raw started. Yeah. I think Raw. Well, I think Raw started like about. Uh, I want to say about two and a half months before yeah, WrestleMania. It's right about January ninety-three. So. And obviously that was the new big thing as well. Uh, so it was, I mean, that was kind of the genesis of the whole like new generation era, yeah. really. Because they were trying to build the company around guys like Brett, like Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. Uh, and yeah, and obviously like the Yokozuna was in there as well because he was like the big bad guy. Because I don't think they, at the time they had any sort of like legit, well, not legit, but like cemented bad guy main eventers at the time. No, I don't think they had. I mean, the, at that time, um, Shawn Michaels, I mean, Brett. Did yeah, he, he was still on his way up at the time. Yeah, as I was about to say, Brett did face Shawn at 2002 for the championship, but I don't think Shawn was anywhere near ready at that time. But yeah, there a lot of people were leaving at that time. Um, yeah, the Razor Ramon was just starting out. Um, so they didn't, they didn't really believe us. And, and, and all the guys you would expect to be here, like The Undertaker, were face at that time, or Mr. Perfect. So, and they were quite, quite new to their face turns. So it mm-hmm. was a weird time. So Yokozuna, who did appear, he made his appearance at the end of October on Superstars. On Yokozuna's gimmick. He, made, he had a couple of matches beforehand on the different gimmick. Uh, destroys Virgil at the Spider Series, which is not that hard to do. Yeah. Uh, he wins the 93 Royal Rumble, uh, which I've never seen, but I know the ending of that because uh, the last two are him and Savage. Yeah, and Savage tried to pin him. Yeah, which, so, which, okay, I'm afraid it's, going, well, it's probably used to that, but I was like, if, if they do that like now, I, I would just lose my mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he tried to do that, you're presuming it basically pretty flipped him, pushed him out of the wing. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he goes on, uh, so obviously that means he's now the number one contender for the championship. Um, and this, and this whole game was like, even though he was a Japanese, he was finding a Japanese flag. He had Mr. Fuji, who, um, so I was trying to be careful what Mr. Fuji looked like earlier before this time. And mm-hmm. he was like, he looked like odd job 
from the bond <laughs> like film version of that but they sort of i think said, that was what they were going for to be honest so yeah uh but he went to this like now when i was doing it became like the whole traditional like japanese dress yeah he uh, had the, like the flower girls at the start yeah, of the match and stuff girls and all that stuff and from the salt and everything like that um so he had that he um destroys jim duggan in a match which mm. was uh four bounds i got to, to pretty much kill him um and then one thing i found interesting was the week before they had a contract signing now as you know 99 percent of contract signings never end well Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, I think I think I've always seen. I think only once I was in NXT where nothing bad happened. <laughs> they just signed the contract, and that was it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so and one thing I liked about it is that pretty much that all goes pear shaped, and Yoko does the bonsai draw a bit hard. And one comes in Bobby Heenan, and obviously he's like going to support the heel, but he he was like going, "Oh no, you, have you done this too soon? Have you injured the champion? Because if you injured the champion, you're going to mm. face him at WrestleMania." Which I thought was um, very interesting. Um, you know, something like that, like why you, you're into the champion kind of thing. And I think that's one of the things I loved about Bobby Heenan. He always makes you laugh, always. And every time he do something, you may go, oh yeah, that actually is true. Why did he do that? Um, yeah. Uh, that's why I think he's, like, to date, like the best colour commentator wrestling's ever had by a considerable distance. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's him and probably... Jessica Chow in the early days was pretty oh, Ventura was very good as well, yeah. yeah but, uh, he, Heyman, whenever he had to as well, was very good at it. He was good. I, I loved him with Jim Ross. Oh, yeah. they were. I, I thought they were a better pairing than Jim Ross and Lawler, to be honest. Yeah, I thought so, because it's just... Uh, it's a bit weird now because when we look about it and all that, and at, at the time, a lot of stuff like funny. Now it's just like now you now you're just creepy. <laughs> um, yeah. but, the thing but, with Lawler for me was like, and again, this comes from growing up at that time, yeah. watching wrestling. Uh, because of being in the UK and stuff, like I had no knowledge of Jerry Lawler prior to him turning up in WWF. Yeah, yeah. So like. Because of that, like, and he came and he replaced uh, Heenan on commentary. And I was just like, you know, it was because Heenan, even though he was a bad guy, I loved him because he always made me laugh. Yeah. Whereas Lawler was, he was trying, it was the same kind of style where he, you know, crack a lot of jokes and stuff. But, and, and I don't know if it was just the delivery or whatever, but it just wasn't anywhere near as funny to me. Yeah. And I was just, I, even though, like, now I know he's obviously this legendary wrestler who's held all the titles in Memphis and so on. But at the time, I'm like, this guy's just, like, a crap. Yeah. <laughs> he's a crap Bobby Heenan. Who is yeah. this guy? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. He is. Um, so we go to the match. And before the match, we get uh, Meiji in Oakland. He um, decides to interview Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan earlier that night had had a tag team championship match with. Um, his best friend, or personal bitch as I call him, uh, Brutus yeah. Beefcake, uh, to face Money Inc. Um, and lost. That match was weird, we'll go to that another time. Uh, yep. But this interview was weird because um, you got Hulk Hogan, and I, get, I kind of get again Hulk Hogan, he's like a most time champion. Seven Wonder Savage is the only other world champion on that roster on that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of get having that, and he's like going, oh, I'm just in the, champ- the dressing room of Bret Hart. And then proceeds to condescend him by calling him a Hulkamaniac. I'm yeah. like, he's the world champion, you can't say that. 
that's the same one where he's like hitting out with the like he actually uses a couple of racist slurs about Yokozuna. Yeah, he calls because Yokozuna a you know, Jap and like he's not Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, obviously the character is, but even then, like that's obviously like. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think they ever build them from Japan. They had a Japanese flag, but I don't think they. I think they build them from the Polynesian Islands. So that that covers like ten countries. Um, but I think Yokozuna is actually from Samoa. I think. Uh, uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah or I think he's Hawaiian, but of Samoan descent. Yeah, uh, but they build them from the Polynesian Islands, except for covered like ten countries. Um, so he had that, that, and then he goes on to challenge the winner to say, "Oh, I want to face. I want to challenge the winner." So you, I think it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, well done. Yeah, because he says that at the time, and you're assuming that like you know it'll be like a future show or whatever, yeah. right? But so it's later. Yeah, um, and the one thing I did laugh is like going, um, Hogan said the title was staying in the US, and I'm thinking to myself, the, the two guys who are taking part are not American. Yeah, neither of them. <laughs> yes. So good luck with that. Um, so we come to the match. Um, like, Yoko comes out, we said before, you've got the geisha girl, you've got the Japanese flag coming out, he falls to soul for good luck. They're all just traditional. And I've never seen a proper super wrestling match, but I know some of the traditions, I've heard about the traditions and what they generally do. Yeah, like they're throwing the salt and yeah. like stuff like that. Yeah, uh, then Brett comes out, gets a, a bit of a cheer and all that stuff. Um, all that stuff. Uh, pretty much at the beginning of the match, Brett doesn't fuck around. <laughs> he pretty much, yeah. which is unusual because you, as a thought, I've never seen a quarter of a match beforehand and, and it was never that kind of. He does a strangle to that kind of guy, but it's the yeah. big story of this guy's 300 pounds heavier than me, I'm a lot faster than him. And it's like be like trick on my feet and get him going. Yeah. Uh, so he starts with one drop kick, pushes him in the corner, keeps punching, and uh, pretty much Yoko just runs him the fuck over at one point. Yeah. Um, the nice bit where um, Brett goes out the wing, and then when he comes back, he manages to trap Yoko's leg on the ropes. So he, even though he puts it over, trying to strap rope for our listeners. So he pushes mm. that like, out the middle rope and then drops the, like, the lower leg into the bottom rope so he's a bit trapped. And uh, while the referee's trying to do that, um, trying to like, get him out, he keeps punching him, hitting him with elbow drops. Um, and this is when, after Brett hits two close lines, Yoko hits one back, and that's when the match starts to really slow down. Uh, Yoko does a body slam, a couple of elbow drops, and then does like chunks and nerve grips for a good, fair portion of this match. Yeah. Um, what I like about this match is like, with probably with the crowd, there's only two shows. I mean, I love Bret Hart, but it's like, the, the, what I said before, it's like not getting, not used to the big name, not being in the main event. But yeah. the way that this match, uh, Brett planned the match, obviously, and I explained to what happened in the end, uh, something else that happened. But he, back to his like plan of it, the trials now got behind Brett, which is what you want to have in this match. Yeah, I mean, for whatever people can say, about like Brett having to follow the likes of Hogan and what have you, Brett was over as hell. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. Uh, but I know, do you know that WWE were trying to like uh, do doing like these videos to help like help get him over more and all that stuff? Because they like these. I think they did a, they did a video to uh, respect by Ruth Franklin and another video as well. Mm. Uh, all that stuff, just trying to like you know get Brett like really over like he's our champion now and all that stuff. So. But I think it's more to do that in order to help get more people to watch like WrestleMania or whatever. Um, Brett gets back into it, tries to sleep a hold, but I think it, I think Yoko just like slips and goes down. Uh, mm. Brett goes for two, 
and my opinion of Loki has always been massive guy, but you get these flashes of ability that you would never see in a person his size. Oh yeah, I mean, that's a martial arts kick on Bret Hart. Yeah, I mean, I, I was watching a lot of that era stuff when I first started wrestling without context account, and like the guy couldn't half shift for how big he was. Yeah. I mean, he was what I think five hundred and fifty pounds at that point. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like Braun or the Big Show where it's like they're very tall. Yoko was I think about six foot or something. Yeah, he was just a big round guy. Yeah, I think but he was the same type. I think it's what all the creators just tore the breath. Yeah, it's but he couldn't have like move like throwing like super kicks about yeah. the place and stuff. Yes, after that, he comes back with another grip. He tries to avalanche smash, but he misses, and that gives Brett a chance to make another comeback. It's a top rope go for two. Hits, he does, you know, does elbow drop from the second row, which uh, for number two. Um, hits two clothesline, and um, and then he managed to get Yoko in the corner, so pushing the corner. Um, Yoko drags Brett and starts to pull him, no, starts to take him back towards the wing, but Brett's like holding on for dear life at the top turnbuckle. Ends up pulling it off. And then, um, and then, like a second later, pushes Yoko's head into the um, turnbuckle, and then he falls down. And then, quite nifty because Brett goes in the sharpshooter, but because Yoko's just like massive, it yeah. goes to his traditional way. So he's only the front. He kind of like managed to get the sharpshooter, which I thought was a very nifty way. Um, and unfortunately, Fujizu gets salt, throws it in Brett's eyes. And apparently that's enough to knock him out, and Yoko just covers him and wins. Oh, I, I would think. I think, in fairness, there, like, because that, like, when, because obviously that would be debilitating, and that you wouldn't be able to see, and you'd be kind of freaking out or worried or whatever. Yeah. And that combined with just how how damn big Yoko's in at once, like you know, like. But it's, I mean, I'm quite a big guy, but if Yoko was on top of me, there's no chance I'd be able to push him off. No, <laughs> like, <same. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think another thing that's interesting about that, like, assuming all that happens afterwards didn't happen, that's the first WrestleMania main event that ended with the heel winning. Yes, that's true. And not, that doesn't happen for another seven years. Uh, yeah, the the next time after that was Triple H at sixteen, I believe. Yes, it was. Uh, which I didn't know at the time uh, until they said, "Oh, by the way, he's the first heel to win." I was like, "Oh shit!" Kind of thing. Um, well, the thing is with this match is, um, according to Bret Hart's book, Yoko uh, went to the finish five minutes too early. Right. Okay. Um, which and you kind of it's a bit weird because I've tried. Did the you can see the Fuji because Fuji's not expecting it. So it's like, mm. oh shit, so that's why he's kind of fumbling a bit to get the salt. But that's the only bit, because there's probably just the way just the matches happen that I don't know. Because you get to see some matches where you could tell they fuck up the ending. So yeah. Just do the ending again. So instead of like kind of going, oh shit, we're not the back going well, let's try to like flow back into some different, just go, I'll just do the move again, and that's it. Um, so uh, this surprised me, because up until that point, I didn't think it was, cu- it was cut short, thanks to Yokozuna. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I thought, I thought that was interesting, and obviously Brett wasn't happy with that because I think Brett was saying, "Oh, he's prepared to do something," and then Yoko's down. It's like, "Oh, okay, it's finished, right? Let's do this kind of thing." So fair play to Brett for kind of like going with it in a way. 
Yeah. Uh, to the match ends at eight minutes. Um, Ithaca, question for you. How long do you think it took for Hulk Hogan to come out? Like, well, it wasn't long. It came out almost immediately. Like, yeah, well, I timed it. it. It was less than 10 seconds. Yeah. It was, I didn't think it was that quick. It must have been, like, literally at the gorilla position. You know, at the gorilla position in the start. You know, when those athletes are, like, ready to go in the start line. It must well, have been like that. <laughs> I've never timed it myself, but no, I, I, I remember it, that, like... Uh, Yoko had legit only held that title for about two minutes or something. Yeah, he did. So, uh, well, apparently he's the fourth shortest title reign in history. Um, I can't remember who's the shortest one is offhand. Um, yeah, so literally less than ten seconds later, Hogan's in the ring, uh, telling to Brett. Um, Fiji drops the microphone and spouts bullshit because uh, I yeah. didn't quite get what he was saying, and then. Um, for reasons known only to Fuji, challenges Hulk Hogan straight away. And I'm thinking to myself, have you seen your champion? He's shattered. Yeah. I was like, why would you want to challenge him? Um, so, yeah, so pretty much Hogan, because, you know, he's a mark for himself, uh, accepts. Um, so, we get a second match. And did you watch this match on the network? Uh, no. Uh, well, yes, yes, I did. Alright, because, um, well, I'm going to have it in the match, and then the, the, the thing that got me about it. So, pretty much, the match technically starts, and Fiji just goes, I know, I'm going to blatantly cheat. So, um, Yogo has Hogan in, like, in a move, uh, Fuji falls assault, Hogan misses, ducks, hits Yokozuna, I think it's like two, one, one or maybe two clothesline, a leg drop later, and Hogan's champion. Yeah, it's just. Uh, in like 22 seconds and the thing is as well like people slag off Lesnar quite rightly for how little he shows up in my opinion and yet like Hogan did that and I think he was on Raw maybe like twice between yeah. like then and uh, King of the Ring which is like three months later yeah uh, he was he, we'll get to that later on but pretty much yeah. he um he pretty much, I think he only appeared in War five times, but never, he was never there live, it's all tape segments. Yeah, because I remember there being, no, wait, there was, I can't remember if it was before or after, um, before or after WrestleMania 9, but he was definitely there once, because yeah. uh, Vince interviewed him in the ring. Okay. I, I, I know because I've got a picture from that up on the account, and it's like, the way Vince is looking at him yeah. is just... Beyond hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, after twenty-two seconds, after what probably like two minutes, Yokozuna's no longer champion, and Hogan ends up on top. Um, so, what did you think of the match in general? It's you know an odd one. Like it's it's never going to be remembered as, especially one of Brett's best matches. But I think with a guy like Yokozuna. Like someone who's that big, and it's the same with guys, you know, like the Big Show or Braun Strowman or whoever. Uh, there's no real other way that you can book them. You can't book. You're not going to book a guy like, say, Braun Strowman to be like a, you know, like a technical wizard or anything like that. You're, you're like people say, oh, he gets made too strong, and it's like looking at him. I can't think of another way you could possibly use him that yeah. makes sense. And it's the same with Yokozuna. You know. It makes sense for a guy like him to use his size to just 
wear down and squash quite, often quite literally his opponents. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it was a, a weird one. Like I don't, I wouldn't go as far to say it was a stinker or anything like that, but. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, it's far from the best Wrestlemania, best WrestleMania main events. Uh, far from the best Bret Hart match. Probably far from the best Yokozuna match. But it was what it was. Uh, kind of like as you said earlier, it's, it was kind of a weird time. It was a transitional period, definitely for WWF. So and. Then they kind of took that step backwards by putting the belt back on Hogan. And yes, I agree with that. Um, I think for me, it's, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Um, mm. But it, it is remembered for the way it finished, as it yeah. the fact that it ended too early. Because I said before, it's up until I was actually told that, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Oh, neither would I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then. Except for that, because this is the way your person is like, oh, right, he's down, fuck, I'll just pin him. Um, and what happened afterwards, it's more remember for those two instances. Um, so, pretty much, I'll just tell you about the women's history. Have you ever read uh, Bret Hart's book? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, so you know it. So, Although not in quite a while, but I have yeah. read it. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of, well, I've never read it, but I kind of just did that excerpt on the internet. Uh, so, pretty mm. much, um, hope, pretty much, Bret Hart gets told by Vince, yeah. You're going to lose the title to Yoko, but Hogan's going to win it straight away, like literally instantly. And the plan was to that Hogan, that he would win it back of Hogan at SummerSlam. So Brett's okay with it, go through the whole plan, and then obviously, the, then yeah, don't think, don't think Brett's move is help with what happened at the end of the match. Um, so obviously it's a good move. So and then Brett, then Hogan goes, pretty much goes to Bret Hart, um, like pretty much goes, He's, you're not in my league. Because the plan was then Vince was going to go white. You're going to Hogan's going to drop back the title to you, and then he's going to use Hogan for like special occasions, like you know, so like so like Brock Lesnar would be. So you get like every, like every so often you see like Brock Lesnar would turn up and all that stuff. So same thing with Hogan. He's turn up for big pay per views, have like a marquee match. He gets some money in, but he doesn't need a championship. Um, obviously yeah. Hogan changed his mind. This Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and, um, and wanted to keep the championship and didn't think Bret Hart was worthy of being champion. Um, so the plan was changed to have Yoko drop, win the title as King of the Wing. Uh, and Bret, Bret was like going, well, he's not happy with it, obviously, but he's like going, well, it's not unfair on Yoko. So I thought that's kind of fair play to Bret. Bret's like going, I'm being fucked over here, but it's not unfair. I'm not going to fuck over Yoko to do it. Yeah, kind of thing. Which is one thing I like. I'm mad about him. So he's always been a guy. Up to the most true job, which, which is like that's just a clusterfuck of everyone. Yeah. Um, he's always been like very like more f- the bigger picture kind of thing. Yeah. Um, as for Hogan, um, he very rarely. Uh, I think he appears in one in tape segments between the beginning of April and June when King of the Wing loses the belt. But that's not the worst thing he did. He um, do you hear about what he did at New Japan? Uh, no. Right, he came during his ch- when as champion. He went to New Japan, and in a press conference, and I'll show you the video for it <laughs> after recording. He okay. calls his W Championship. He said something like, um, "I am five-time WWE champion, but this is this is like a toy. It's like a trinket that you have in a tree. The the title I want is the Great Muta's Belt." 
you know, worse than effect, and you're like, and it's like, <laughs> you, you just pretty much demanded, pretty much use your creative control or influence to become champion, and then diss it. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, when I, I was like, oh my god, what an asshole. Yes, yeah, I mean, not to mention like the, I mean, the, I mean, the shit we could say about Hogan. Uh, have you ever read Jesse Ventura's book? No. It's a good read. Um, and it covers obviously more than just his wrestling career because of the amount of stuff he's done. Yeah. This It was written right about the time he was stopped being uh, governor of Minnesota, I believe. Oh, okay, just after governor. That was like 2004 uh, or yeah. So, it, it was, yeah, it was like sort of early 2000s uh, was done. But yeah, he talks about his wrestling career in that and how him and, I believe, Bobby Heenan uh, in the 80s actually tried to start a union within oh, the WWF. Yes, I heard about this. And Hogan grassed them up to Vince. <laughs> yes. yes, I heard about that. So this because is... he didn't want anyone having the same amount of power that he did. <laughs> yes, so it's... Um, out of all the things that Hogan has done, do you think this is the worst, or do you think things are a lot worse? What, like, busting up the union? Well, except for that. <laughs> oh, that, cause that's that hands down the worst. Um, yeah. uh, the, on the belt, yeah. I mean, because you think, just think about the amount of shit that Hogan's done. Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, like, I'm trying to think, like, because, I mean, the, the thing with the Ultimate Warrior as well, and, yeah. And, you know, like, for all we can say about the Ultimate Warrior, like, uh, you know, being not very good or being, like, a homophobe or racist or whatever, you know, in fact, like, even disregarding all that, it was an absolute dick move on Hogan's part. But that's sort of par for the course with him, really. Yeah. Same, you know, coming into TNA and making that all about him. Yeah. Uh, because until then, they were... Like they weren't doing like great, great, but they weren't doing bad. Yeah, and he I changed that. Like, I think it was like just that. I think I got told they peaked like two thousand six to seven. So you had mm. like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Tristan was there, and they knew what they were doing with Tristan. But uh, I know that like, him and Evan Bishop came in, and that's when I kind of started watching because uh, for the listeners or not from the UK, that's when TNA was on Challenge. So yeah, I kind of watched. I kind of watched it for a couple of years, and I lost interest with the whole Ace and Eight thing. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the 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 death knell for me was um, uh, Daniels and Kazarian leaving. Oh no! It's um, no. It was, I think it was just after the wedding where you find out part of them about. Even though that that bit was funny. Is it hard in here? Is it just yeah. me? <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, but uh, with Hulk Hogan, I mean, it's I, I personally think it's a, it's not the worst thing he's done, but it's definitely the worst thing he's done in his first. His first time in WWE. Yeah, uh, uh, I think that's fair. Yeah, to the trade. It's know. the worst one that we know of, anyway. Yeah. So. I mean, I heard heard later on he, he prevented people like Mr. Perfect from becoming champion and all that stuff. Obviously, what he said to Brett, after, I don't know during that time, saying like, "Mate, you're not in my league." Well, that's pretty bad. Um, yeah. He did that. Um, obviously, the thing with Shawn Michaels ten years later with those matches. Uh, even though yeah. John, John did, kind of, did kind of get his own back in a way. Um, yeah. well, Brett kind of did as well. Um, because there's another Hogan thing when he jumped over to WCW. Yeah. Uh, like, the first time Steve Austin met him, back when he was, you know, like, stunning Steve, 
Uh, he went up to like you know shake his hand like hi welcome to WCW and that Hogan just like ignored him, patched him. So like years later, uh, one of the Hall of Fames and I believe it was uh, who was it that get, got inducted? I think it might have been when Bret Hart got inducted actually. That was two thousand and ten, was it? Uh, oh, so. Because, uh, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was. I'm sure because Austin inducted Brett, right? Yeah. So, and those two, uh, I don't know if they were ever like close friends or, but they always sort of had respect for each other yeah. as far as they knew. So, like, and Hogan was on the stage. I can't remember who he'd inducted, yeah. but uh, I think, I think it might have been Mean Gene, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but you know he's on the stage and like oh, like Brett and Austin basically shook hands with everyone on the stage except Hogan. Uh, yeah, because I remember <laughs> I think that was that was the era because when Hall of Fame became more the start became more of a big deal. So you have like uh, like all yeah. the people behind like so you got the stage where the, where the, the adult people and then behind now you have these like two or three tables of people. Yeah, yeah. so it must have been during that time. As far as I'm aware, the first proper televised one was the I think 2004. Yeah. Uh, the the one where Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura got inducted. Yes, yes, I remember Bobby Heenan one because that, that was a great speech he did. Oh yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, I think for Hogan, I think the worst. I mean, obviously he was doing with W. He became champion. I think in his first match. Uh, yeah. Um, he did it. For me, I mean, he got the stock in '97 thing, the barcode and all that stuff. But the worst thing for me is WCW. Um, yeah, almost, and obviously you have to think of Pocket Doom, but that was more. That I don't think that was just Hogan. I think that was like ever involved in that. Yeah. So with Hogan, um, they did. It was World War War World War Three '95. Um, for those people who don't know, pretty much it's like three battle royals at the same time, and then it becomes into one ring. Um, yeah. The plan was that the giant, who's now known as a big show, would throw Hogan out clean and Savage wins. Right. Mid match, Hogan changed it. So Hogan would, was pulled under the ring by Giant. Savage was going to win, and then Hogan won and going, I was eliminated. So it, it just completely overshadows Savage's first WWE win. And so, well, I think, I think you can't. You can't just change it mid-match. That is not fair. Yeah, it's just that, that's par for the course with that guy, though. Yeah, he is, and obviously, but I feel sorry for Savage because obviously he won the title when he won the WWE title for the first time. Hulk was dead, so I him, "Mate, it's not you. Fuck off." Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the match. So uh, let's talk about this year's WrestleMania. Um, yeah, on a lighter note, because yeah. this year's Mania looks good. It does so far. I mean. Last year's WrestleMania, there were some matches I was not interested in. Um, but this year, I think most of them are just like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to some matches. Um, obviously, the dream matches, obviously, AJ Styles and uh, Shizuka Nakamura. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone who's seen, who saw their match at uh, Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago will know that's going to be an absolute corker. Yeah. Uh, so you've got them, you've got um, the. Cedric Alexander versus Mustafi for the Cruiserweight Championship. I thought that'd be a really good match. Oh, that'll be excellent. I mean, uh, they they had a match just. I think it was like the week before the tournament started. Yeah, I've seen on two hundred five live, and it was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, you've got um, like Brock Lesnar facing Roman Reigns. 
yeah, yeah, I don't know about you, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest Roman Reigns fan. Neither am I. I don't hate him, but like I'm just not that into him. It, like on his own as part of the Shield, I think he's great. It's... But like the whole thing with the Shield is that they're like stronger than the sum of their parts. Yeah, I think that always uh, gets me with, with Diamonds and Drew is that he is the person who I thought was least likely to be champion, and he's the one being pushed the most. So. Uh, I mean, but at the same time, you know, uh, like anyone who thinks he's rubbish or whatever is like kidding themselves. No, I've like, never thought that. Uh, but like, he's it, it, just not for me. But I would, like, I think Lesnar's matches are the uh, Lesnar's best matches are the ones where he's taken on someone who can sort of equal him or at least come close to him in power. You know, like. Uh, like oh, even though his match with Braun Strowman was a bit of a damp squib, but the like match when he has matches with guys like, like the Big Show and stuff, because it's that like you know the sight of Lesnar you know throwing someone like the Big Show around like he's nothing. Yeah. Uh, that, but yeah, so this uh, even though I'm not in really into either guy, I think it will be a really good match. Yeah. Like I'm not invested in the story. That's no, how. No, no. I just find it funny that Wayne's like slacking off for being a part-time lesson. It's just like that. It's been like that for years, so why are you complaining mm. about it now? Um, I think there are plenty of matches that do worry me a little bit. It's, um, it's because of the consequences behind it. One of them is Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, which first on paper I think would be a great match. But, oh yeah. But the problem I've got is Camilla because I she's the first women's obviously the first women's Money Bank winner. Because of controversy of how she won it last year, mm. like, I I think it's insane for WWE to let her cash in and lose. So see that that idea has been in the back of my head. Yeah. But at the same time, if if she was to cash in and win, it, it's uh, bad. Well, I don't know because like obviously Asuka's streak is like the whole thing is like, well, who do you have beer? Who do you? Ha- I've get that rub. Uh, so having having Carmella do it that way to me is sort of like the best way to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, like I always said uh, years ago, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on the Twitter account and stuff uh, with the Undertaker streak before, obviously Lesnar broke it. Yeah. I wanted someone to end the streak by cashing. Like. Oh, yeah, the, like what they could have done was like, like what my idea in my head was like maybe, like maybe say like Taker wins the Rumble or something, and then goes right this WrestleMania's win draw or lose it's my last one, uh, and maybe you know they have him take on the champion maybe even like Kane just for the sort of like the circularity of it so to speak. And like he wins, and it's holding the title aloft, and you know he's going to go out on a high note or something. And then like the cashing person's music hits, and they come out and win it. Like I like at the time, like the when I first thought of that, the person that had the briefcase was Damien Sandow. Yeah, and I think someone like him would have been perfect to do it, but. You know, because it could like he could have played it in his like intelligence thing. Like I was smart enough to you know beat the Undertaker 
by barely lifting a finger at WrestleMania yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but I so Asuka I think will win like the against Charlotte yeah, Flair yeah. and we'll, and we'll get some kind of shenanigans with Carmella and yeah it could go either way really I mean you can kind of make a case for either way but I think Carmella cashing in and winning makes sense in terms of it gets Asuka's first loss finally out of the way Uh, but like she's got that out of oh I wasn't beaten cleanly so kind of everyone wins really (laughs) yeah I mean with Asuka I mean it's I mean I know she's a face now but I liked what she was doing at the end of the NXT one because she started to become a bit more heelish yeah then because obviously she's a bit where she literally threw Amber Moon like miles out the wing yeah. Stuff. Um, but it was lovely because like, she's like going, oh, I beat everyone that they don't deserve to have this championship and all that. This chance yeah. to beat me. Um, the one I'm worried about is Daniel Bryan and Shane versus Owens and Zayn. Um, well, first of all, Daniel Bryan back is like the best news ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but obviously at this point in the story, like Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn are technically being fired. But if they lose, they stay fired. So it's like one of those catchphrases that like going, Owens and Zayn are too good to not to leave the company unless they literally don't want them there. Yeah. Or you've got Daniel Bryan with his first match back and you don't want him to lose either. So that's a tough one for me. My... I am not the biggest fan of Shane McMahon in a minute because to me he's, oh, no. he, he's, he's the heel in the whole thing. But he, oh, he's, oh he's God, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my hope for that is that we get some kind of turn yeah, that's that. And Daniel Bryan helps Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beat Shane McMahon. Yeah, that's what I hope for. Like, I would lose my mind for that. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Um, and obviously, even though it's not official yet, John Cena wants to uh, challenge Undertaker. Mm. Um, do you think that that match will happen on it? Uh, well, given how hard they're pushing it, you would assume so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't think they'd be stupid enough to like push it that heavily, yeah. and then not do it. I know. I think, I think for me, is, is it, it's the reason I can't get in the story is that I find it implausible that sixteen-time world champion is worried he won't get a match at WrestleMania. Yeah. On the other hand, though, like, like the whole the way the scene is playing it makes no sense to me. Like, oh, you're a coward. You're sitting at home and blah blah blah. And it's like, listen. The Undertaker owes John Cena owes WWE. He owns the he owes the fans nothing. Like if there is anyone in wrestling that has earned the right to sit at home and do nothing, if like an answer to nobody, it's the Undertaker. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I think it'll happen, but. But I think it, I think it gets me as well is that literally like the way the the strong impression we got from last year was me is like yeah I'm done. Mm. Weird, and obviously, and at that time, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense because you could tell he was slowing down. The match is not as good as it used to be, and all that stuff. And so I mean, I think happens. it made a bit of sense though in that way, yeah. kind of like the whole Shawn Michaels Ric Flair thing, where the whole thing is just that, like, you know, even though his the the willpower, or for lack of a better term, is there, like his body just isn't what it used to be. Yeah. So, uh, so in that way, the match kind of made sense, going the way that it did to me. Yeah. 
uh, it might not have been a great spectacle or anything like that, but it was, like in terms of telling a story, I thought like it was bang on in that sense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so yeah, so Adam, so where can we find you on the internet? Uh, oh, we didn't do other matches. There's plenty oh, of other okay, matches. Sorry. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm trying to go through now. So we've got uh, The Miz against Seth and Bella for the Triple Threat match. Yep. I think I, I think The Miz will retain. Yeah, I think he will as well. Um, Wandy Orton, who I'm not a fan of anymore. Um, no, I never was. No, it's, um, <laughs> it's the... Um, I think it was just the whole few of Bray Wyatt last year. It just, just killed it for me. Hmm. Um, uh, him, Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, and dashing handsome Rusev. Yes, on Rusev Day. Um, oh, oh, yeah. What a coincidence, right? <laughs> yes. Like, oh man, like I that because I was not caring about that match at all until Rusev got announced, and now it's one of the ones I'm looking most forward to. Because if Rusev wins, I will lose my mind. I will absolutely go nuts. I love I, that. Man. I am losing. I'm losing Rusev, and one thing gets me is that he's always been quite a funny guy anyway because some of the stuff he's done on Twitter being quite funny yeah uh, if you've ever seen him on Up Up Down Down the guy's hilarious yeah so but it just blows my mind it's like it's obviously like super super over right now but they still they're still like treating him like as a, as a heel but hopefully yeah. this should be the, if he wins this should be enough for him to be well, well the, I, I tweeted that like like when are they like they're going to take a hint for the fans and just you know Go with it, but like, and they did it literally later in that show on SmackDown, yeah. like when he was basically requesting to be added to the match, like despite gender saying, "Oh yeah, I'll get you front row tickets to WrestleMania and all this." Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, uh, that should be good because Nia Jax is like for me really coming to her own. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty fan Nia Jax. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of the whole bullying thing. No, like, it's a bit... It's, it's a bit... It's, it's a bit 2000s, isn't it? So... Yeah, and it's not that. It's, it's more the... It's maybe because, you, obviously, you, you try not to create what they've done with your life to the storyline because it's a character or whatever. But no, like, mm. not, like Alexa Bliss has went through, like... He's in just all as a teenager. That's probably by him to go to, like, bodybuilding and go to WWE. Yeah. Mickey Jones... Mickey James, she did the whole... You had to go through the whole Piggy James. Oh, God, yeah. years ago. So it's a bit weird than I will, but I know like history is forget is forgetful when convenient. Yes. Um, but also, well, sorry, good, good job. I totally forgot about this. I should have. We get to see the debut of Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I was going to say of all the matches for oh, you yeah, to forget. I totally forgot about. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, and I realise this is possibly an unpopular opinion, but that is pretty much the one match that I'm not really that fussed about. <laughs> I, know, it's, like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a big UFC fan, but obviously... No, I'm neither am I. Obviously, because she's, she's that... Well, she's that... She's, she's one of those characters, like, people who's, like, transcend their, what they're specialising. So, like, people like The Rock or whatever, just gone bigger than that. Uh, so, the thing is, is well, like, because I'm not a fan of Triple H or Stephanie, either. And, like, the... Like, I never... And it's not... Like, I never have been... Uh, like I've never been into Triple H, uh, but here's the thing that makes me laugh. Like, like the way they did that, like the Ronda Rousey contract signing, where it was like she was like, "You've not asked for any perks or anything like this, right? Yeah. You know, you just want to be treated like everyone else, and that's why you're going to be making your debut on the biggest show of the year." 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what, like, is Killian Dane going to get, like, <laughs> like his day? De- oh, he, oh, shit, he actually did debut at WrestleMania last year in yeah, the Battle Royal. Yeah. So that's kind of a bad example, but, you know, if, like, you know what I mean? Uh, like, she's completely skipped NXT <laughs> yeah. like, uh, and is making her debut in a marquee match on the biggest show of the year, yeah. uh, but just wants to be treated like everyone else. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, that, yeah, it's a match that's uh, been really because well, uh, this is where we differ from Triple H. He's, he's like my all-time favorite wrestler. I, I get some of the bad. I, get, I understand some of the bad things he he's alleged to have done. I personally I don't think is it. I mean, there's some bits like you know the whole Booker T thing. He should have lost or whatever. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, even no, even then, that. it's just like I was never in him. Like, even before all that stuff came out, uh, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, particularly I would say about 99, 2000, he had some absolutely cracking matches. Oh, yeah, he did. But, like, I was just, like, never in him either way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the moment for me where it was cemented in his favourite was the, the match where he fucked his quad, but still carried on. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I would oh, never doubt the guys like. like uh, that, so yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not doubting the guys like sort of dedication. Yeah. To wrestling or anything like that, it's just, he's just. He's uh, not for me. Yeah. Uh, well, so we got the tag matches. Uh, so. The bar against Braun and to be determined. Uh, so that will yeah, be good because be- I think the bar are excellent. I think yeah. they're. Uh, and Braun Strowman is just like. Like, you think the way people reacted when he debuted, to think he would be, like, arguably the most over guy on the roster. Yeah, because I hated him when he started. Yeah, I mean, I did, personally, I didn't. Like, my, I, I thought it was cool, because it's very rare in, in WWE, at least, these days, where you get a debut and you go, who the hell is that? Yes. You know, it never happens anymore because you've seen everyone come through NXT first or whatever. So I, I thought that was really cool. But uh, so, yeah, like I've no idea who his partner might be. I've got a thing in the back of my head saying it might be Samoa Joe, but I don't. And uh, the other tag match, Uso's New Day and Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, I think it's a shame that we're not going to see the fashion police in that because I mean they were like over as hell on Smackdown and then just kind of disappeared that was a great shame I thought and obviously the two battle royals as well and I don't think there's any clear cut winner from either one yet I mean obviously I would imagine they will announce more people for them on the coming Raw and Smackdown Uh, like I've got the list here for the women's one, you've got Sasha Banks, Bailey, Lana, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Natalia, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. And as an aside, I'm delighted to see Sarah Logan getting regular TV. I saw her at ICW yeah. uh, years ago, like when she was like Crazy Mary Dobson, and you could see definitely the potential there. And I got to speak to her, and she was just like a really nice young lassie. So it's really cool to see her doing well for herself. Yeah, uh, but, with Sarah Logan, I like I like her as well. But I think I think when she first started from the promo, she was I didn't like them because she's talking about like gay meat all the time. It's like uh, you're, you're better than that, surely. I saw someone post a thing, and it was like. Uh, 
like Sarah Logan's Halloween promo, yeah. uh, and it was like, but it was like a clip of Boomhauer for King of the Hill. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was just howling. But uh, I don't think there's any clear cut winner out of them lot. Because, uh, no doubt they'll announce some more and there'll be like probably a few surprises in there as well. Same with the men's one, uh, which so far has Matt Hardy, The Revival, Baron Corbin, Mojo Rowley, uh, Ty Dillinger, Dolph Ziggler, and The Fashion Police. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, that's a tough one as well. I mean. I think yeah. with the women's one, I only because they have the biggest story going into it. I just think you mean the last two being Sasha and Bailey. Probably, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a fair show. Yeah. Personally, I would love to see Becky Lynch do it, but that's oh, yeah. just complete bias on my part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't doubt they'll maybe even have a few NXT call-ups in them or something. So yeah, we'll see. As well. So it's, it depends how many. They only have about what between fifteen and twenty for each of these. So we shall see. Um, so, anything else you want to talk about, Adam? Um, uh, let me think. Uh, the, we could talk about the fact that like the women's trophy absolutely looks like a uterus. Yeah, I've told that, but I know I know there's a lot of his um, controversy about that because the first name is the famous Moodle one, um, and then at the time, when I heard it, I was like, okay, that makes sense, good to But then all the stories about all the bad shit she did. Yeah, I mean, it's, surface, like, it's been publicly known for years, a lot of it. Yeah. But it's just WWE, obvi- for like probably obvious reasons, never talk about it. The thing that makes me laugh, though, is like how it's clearly they've just gone for this like women themed trophy because, like, because if they named it for someone else, then they would have to explain why they named it for someone else as opposed to Moolah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, mean, mm. I, think, I think with all the other big, the women's wrestlers up and down with WWE, obviously, but they're the two, like, long, not so much, so much remembered, but they're ones that kind of always been there, May Young and Fabulous Moolah, uh, up until, like, very recently. Uh, I mean, there's other people they could have named it for, you know, like, yeah. uh, like sens- Sensational Sherry, you know. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, like, uh, try she's to not really well known for Western, though, is she? So. No, but like, uh, like obviously there's China, although there's the issues there that like WWE just seem to not like acknowledging her, yeah. which is a shame because there's like oh they claim oh it's because she did like porn, but you know so did Sonny and she's in the Hall of Fame, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, like Hogan's an open racist and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, Mike Tyson, you know, convicted rapist is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, but as I mean, we're kind of used to the sort of double standards when it comes to that kind of stuff with WWE, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, um, so Adam, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, no worries. Uh, uh, again, thank you for that. Uh, so, two accounts. Uh, uh, my there's Wrestling Without Context, which is W-R-E-S, no context, all one word, on Twitter, where I post, you know, like, the more ridiculous moments of wrestling, whether it's pictures, gifts, and, you know, the occasional meme as well. Uh, and there's my personal one, uh, which is, again, all one word, Jim, uh, sorry, tripping over my words here, uh, Ginger Pimpernel, uh, where, you know, uh, that's more where I'll post opinions and along with jokes and stuff because you know as far as the wrestling context uh, you know I'll make jokes and stuff on there as well but 
I try to keep it like you know I'm not like slagging off wrestlers I don't like or whatever because it's supposed to be just a celebration of how fun and silly wrestling can be. So you know, as where so Ginger Pimpernel ones a bit more sort of my own opinions and stuff like that. Just talking more pay per view reviews and I've managed to take over and occasional opinions. Um, the podcast is on SoundCloud now, which is soundcloud.com forward slash logo wrestling. Um, so, thank you again for the show and uh, thank you a lot, guys, for listening and goodbye. Bye.